Hi, and welcome to Fado, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. I'm John, your host, and thanks for dropping in. 30 Episodes It's hard to believe we're 30 episodes in already. And I'm still in what I think of as Season 1. I'm not sure what will signal the second season, but I guess we'll see. Today, I'm dipping back into my own personal writing to bring you a short story that I wrote for an anthology. A few years ago, my writing group released a collection of stories meant to celebrate and commemorate libraries, in particular our local library. Everyone took a different approach to the task, and we ended up with a pretty eclectic collection. My contribution is called Grailman, and I'm pretty proud of the way it turned out. I've been meaning to record it for a few years anyway, so this was a perfect opportunity. I'll tell you more about it after the story. And now, as published by yours truly in Stories from the Stacks in 2015, Grailman. Rain tapped the windows of the small apartment high up in the old abandoned building. It wasn't abandoned exactly. Call it an unadministrated leasing plan. There were still people living in the high-rise. They were in some of the rooms, at least. It was hard to say which ones on any given day. The steady, quiet patter gave a soundtrack to Grailman's delicate work. He only distantly heard the sounds, focused as he was upon the task before him. A slim, sinuous curl of smoke drifted from the minuscule iron as he applied it to the circuit board. It rose like a charmed viper, sliding over his goggles and forehead. Grailman remembered the times before. The city hadn't been large then, which was probably why it hadn't been reduced to rubble. At least, it had not been entirely reduced to rubble. Allowing the corner of his mouth to turn up mirthlessly, he supposed that there was rubble enough. Far away, Grailman heard a gunshot and a scream. It immediately darkened his mood, as though it had been particularly sunny before. The world hadn't gone crazy, exactly. No, he remembered that it already had been. When the end of things had come, though, the door had been left wide open in the ward. The crazies had free reign. When the cat's away... Grailman murmured as he continued the delicately precise task. It had taken him weeks to track down a compatible part, and weeks more to come up with the leverage to acquire it. You couldn't walk into an electronics store anymore. You couldn't order anything online, either. No, you had to ask around. You had to barter. You had to cover your tracks, or people would take anything from you if they decided they wanted to. Grailman paused, adjusting the angle of his work, and rolling out a little more solder. He took the opportunity to glance at the luminescent green numbers on his watch. It didn't matter what time it was, really. It mattered how long he had remaining to work. Electricity could never be counted on anymore. The rolling blackouts were constant. But once you had power, you had it for at least an hour, and sometimes up to two. He tried to make the most of it. One dim lamp and the iron was all he risked. He didn't want to be the idiot who pulled too much and tripped the already foundering breakers in what was left of the old West Virginia building's power grid. He wasn't going to be the one to go out there and reset it this time of night, either. If it blew, it was blown until daylight. 
Grailman looked to the small fire he had burning in his makeshift fire pit. It was a half-barrel, one of the big metal ones that they stored oil or whatever in. Fuel was reasonably simple to find. Broken chairs and tables made excellent kindling. On a grate over the fire was tonight's gourmet meal, a mysterious, unlabeled can of something he hoped wasn't dog food. Again. It didn't matter whether you heated it up or not, Alpo tasted like it had already been eaten the previous night. This high up, he didn't think that the fire would be visible. But he wasn't taking any chances. He had hung black plastic over the windows to blot out the light. It was safer, but he would have liked to be able to see out over Huntington, or what was left of it. Grailman took a breath, refocusing. He didn't know how long he had, and so he needed to finish. With the finesse of a skilled electrical engineer, which was what he had been before, he touched the iron lightly to the bared circuitry, the last diminutive contact point shimmering and then glossing as the solder attained the required temperature. Watching solder flow into its proper place still gave Grailman satisfaction, as it always had, when he had first discovered electronics as a boy. He pulled back from the project and waited until the joint had time to cool before he bent in close and eyed the finished piece with the magnifier built into his goggles. It was a soldered jeweler's loop stuck out over the right lens. You had to improvise sometimes. Everything looked right, but there were any number of things that might have gone wrong during the repair. Overheated components, cold joints, or who knew. It was possible that the chip he had replaced wasn't the only damage— there was only one way to tell for sure. Grailman unplugged his iron, freeing up one of his two sockets, and plugged in the power supply for an old battered laptop. He pressed the power on the ancient hardware, and as the screen began flashing self-diagnostic information and spinning up its drives, Grailman snapped the two plastic pieces of housing tightly together around the old thumb drive that he had just spent the better part of four months trying to repair. The computer whined a little as it completed its boot-up procedures, and then the fans settled. The screen glowed gently in the dark room. The pale blue background was adorned with a logo, round and white, resembling a stylized chip's porthole. The words Fenestra 2037 were worked into the logo. He'd rather have a more versatile operating system, but Fenestra, such as it was, would work well enough. It didn't matter for tonight anyway— this would work or it wouldn't, regardless of the computer or what had happened to be running. Without ceremony, Grailman pressed the thumb drive into one of the USB ports along the side of the computer and held his breath. At first, he was certain that nothing was going to happen. He nearly sighed in disgust, but just as he was about to, the computer's cursor flickered and the telltale sound of detected hardware blurted crackling from the weak laptop speaker. Grailman leaned in, watching the operating system attempt to identify and load the correct drivers for the thumb drive. Then, just like that, your hardware has been loaded and is ready for use. Grailman could scarcely breathe as he clicked into the list of available system drives. There it was, Drive E. Grailman could not stop a smile of genuine happiness when he saw the drive label. CCPL Archive He clicked into the drive to find a host of folders. In the root directory there was one executable file, which he immediately tapped with his finger on the battered laptop's trackpad. 
It took a few moments as the system churned away at his command, but the screen was filled with black, and then green text appeared line by line in a hazy, blocky font. Cabell County Public Library, B-U-R-N-S Repository, Reference Archive, All Volumes, Fiction Archive, A through L-O. So much knowledge had been lost, but he had just managed to literally bring what amounted to nearly half of the state's long-dormant library system back from the ashes. Likely it was like this all over. Civilization struggled to press on without the vast stores of data it had become accustomed to. Grailman pecked the word encyclopedia into the search field of the Burns Archive and tapped Enter. There were over a hundred results. He let out a breath and closed his eyes as the power in the building abruptly failed. But that didn't matter. He had done it. Grailman pulled the little thumb drive free from the computer and closed the lid. He took a moment to roll the drive in a small piece of black plastic sheet and then tucked it into his breast pocket. Grailman walked to the window and peeled back his improvised blind slightly to gaze out toward the night-dimmed remains of the old plaza a dozen floors below. The spiked ball monument that once stood there lay cast to the side, broken and bent. In the other direction was the burned-out husk of an old building. It had been modern in its day. If Grailman closed his eyes, he could still remember the interesting multi-floor construction. It was barely a story high now. He put a hand to the pocket that held the restored drive and blew out a sigh of relief, yet knowing that he was far from finished. He'd have to take this straight to the capital. This close to Ohio, it was too much of a risk. Their armies could return at any time, and unified Virginia's northwest borders had little to protect them except the river. Grailman nodded with a stoic finality. First light, then. Roanoke was a long walk, but there was little to be done about it. He doused the fire and opened his mystery dinner, eating with a spoon as he watched the remains of the city below. Fried apples. Yes, it was turning out to be a good night. I mentioned when I was talking about Poe's work that I like the kind of story that leaves a lot unsaid and lets the reader wonder about the details. I think it's an effective way to tell a much bigger story within the confines of a short story like this. Grailman is a close-up, intimate setting, but just outside there are a whole lot of questions that beg to be answered. So a little more detail about what we were trying to do with these stories— each person who contributed to this anthology used a library as a setting, or at least as a subject to base the story upon, and we all used the last name Burns. It shows up in mine as the acronym for the library database. That name comes from Adrian Burns, who was the very first librarian hired at the Cabell County Library. That library was funded and built in 1903 by Andrew Carnegie. You may know that name, but in case you don't, he lived from 1835 to 1919 and became very wealthy thanks to his steel company. Later in life, he donated nearly all of his wealth to projects like libraries, and Huntington, West Virginia hosted one of them. A new larger building was constructed in 1980, and that's the one I mention in the story. 
The modern-looking three-story location is the one I grew up visiting, and it's where my writing group still meets. Well, when we meet again, that's where we'll meet. All the locations and landmarks mentioned in this story are actually there, and if you stand in the plaza, you can see exactly where Grailman was sequestered, repairing his flash drive. The 12th floor of the West Virginia building, and the tallest building in Huntington. Next time you're in the area, stop on the corner of 4th Avenue and 9th Street, and you'll be right in the middle of my story. Now as I said, I like to leave some things unanswered, so I'm not going to explain exactly what happened. I'm not going to tell you why Ohio has a standing army, or why unified Virginia feels threatened by them. I'll let you decide exactly how everything happened. What I will say is this. We live in a marvelous age. There is so much knowledge at our fingertips, and it's a matter of a few keystrokes to find out the answer to virtually any question. But it wasn't always so. In the matter of a few decades, within my own lifetime, I've seen the world move from paper to the cloud. When I was in grade school, the first draft of an essay had to be handwritten. Until college, I was never allowed to utilize online resources in research papers, and that was the 1990s. There was a riddle in a computer game I played when I was maybe 10 or 11, and in order to find the answer, I went to the library and pored over reference books of fairy tales and lore rather than using Google, because it didn't exist yet. My Google was a huge, intimidating wall of index cards arranged by the Dewey Decimal System. It wasn't that long ago, and so I wrote this story with that in mind. That's not to say that our digital age is lacking or somehow inferior, but it is to say that we should appreciate how accessible knowledge has become. Now, the character Grailman came to me well before this story. I wrote a short flash fiction piece with him a long time before this, but still in this kind of post-apocalyptic setting. Grailman is his last name, but I've never given him a first name. I don't even know if he knows his first name but I chose Grailman as a nod to the quest for the Holy Grail. He's looking for something invaluable to restore the world around him, both in this story and in his other appearances. I still have hopes that he'll end up the protagonist in some bigger story at some point, but I think he does well in little scenes like this. He's a fun blend of cynical and hopeful, and resigned to eat dog food if it comes his way, but ever grateful for the occasional fried apples. So, as I wrap this episode up, I want to extend a thank you to the libraries, the librarians, and the keepers of knowledge in my own life. The medium may have changed, but it's still vitally important that we guard and protect all that we have learned and all the stories we have told. So, special thanks to my local libraries, Briggs Public Library in Lawrence County, Ohio, and the Cabell County Public Library in Huntington, West Virginia and also to the school libraries and librarians who made that card catalog a little less scary. And by the way, if you'd like to read the rest of the stories from the stacks by the Wicked Wordsmiths of the West, it is available in paperback and Kindle formats on Amazon.com. Now, if you're having fun listening to Fido, you should definitely subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. I'm on Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon. Don't forget to share and leave a review if you like what you're hearing. If you leave me comments or questions, I might even be able to read them on the air. 
You can also keep up and follow me on Facebook as well as Instagram. I'm at Fido Podcast. If you want to support me more directly, you can become a patron. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. There will be behind-the-scenes content, early access to upcoming episodes, and also merch. I have stickers, and if you become a patron, I can guarantee you one in your membership letter. That's right, I'll send you a personally handwritten note in the mail with a sticker. Also, if you join, you'll get a mention here on the show. That brings us to the end of episode 30. Watch for episode 31, coming out on November 22nd. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you once upon a next time.